Welcome to Worldview from WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. This week we're participating in Covering Climate Now. It's a global collaboration of over 250 news outlets strengthening coverage of the climate crisis. This week we're running climate coverage every day. This is our ultimate day of coverage before the United Nations Climate Action Summit begins in New York on September 23rd. And today we're covering the global climate strike from the global climate strike. And we are here at Federal Plaza, and there is a hearty crowd of around, I don't know, 500, 1,000 people who are awaiting, I would say, many thousands more that are coming down uh, the street. We were with the organizers a little earlier, and the crowd was just huge and that the people were just kept streaming in and they got a little bit of a late start and but it was very heartening to see many different people streaming into the um, events there were uh, religious groups there were union groups uh, there were architects uh, there were all kinds of people coming and uh, quite a crowd is is descending on Federal Plaza soon here uh, around the world, the same thing is happening. According to organizer Greta Thunberg, there are 5,225 events in 156 countries. All continents are participating, including Antarctica. If you go online, you can see 100,000 people in Berlin. There were over a million people in the streets in Germany. There were really large crowds in Uganda. I saw a teeny crowd in Lagos, but a huge one in Abuja, Nigeria. In Australia, 2,100 Australian companies said they'd close their doors and take long lunches or give employees the day off. Australian really got it started. I was looking at the pictures last night. It was very exciting. And it is exciting to be here with Abigail Derby-Lewis, Field Museum senior conservation ecologist. She's got a big I Strike for Climate shirt on. All the folks from the Field Museum do. They are quite identifiable in the crowd, and she's going to help me out today. Thanks a lot for joining me, Abigail. Oh, we're so glad to be here. I mean, the Field Museum exists and has always existed to be a voice and a champion for the future of our natural world. So we're marching here today in the climate strike to raise awareness of the perilous state that our planet is in. And Kids are here, youth are everywhere, my kids are here, we're pumped. I was enjoying uh, a lot of the young, very young kids, grade school <laughs> kids are very excellent chanters. They were uh, chanting up and down the streets and uh, there was a large group of uniformed children chanting here um, earlier. It's, it's really great to see. And uh, with us are some of the organizers of the Youth Climate Strike. Alandro Lozano is here, a student at Whitney Young High School, and it's great to meet you. Give your other titles with your environmental organizations. Thank you very much for having me. I'm a member of the Chicago Youth Alliance for Climate Action. I'm also a regular volunteer with the Sierra Club and Plant Chicago, and I also work with the Chicago Environmental Leadership Initiative to promote education and environmental justice leadership. <laughs> You're doing so much, I, I, I don't know what you do with your, you don't have any spare time. Um, Allie Cavallo is also here, a student from Whitney Young, and she has a similar bunch of titles. Allie, lay it Sure, thanks for having me. I'm the co-director of the Chicago Youth Alliance for Climate Action, which is a high school student group uh, that pulls people from all across the city. I'm also a, a volunteer with the Sierra Club, and I'm a member of the steering committee for the Ready for 100 Chicago Collective, which is uh, formulating the plan to transition Chicago to 100% renewable energy by 2035. And that's a very excellent Stop Big Coal Bailouts t-shirt you have. Yeah, I got it from the Environmental Lobby Day last, uh, last year. We went with a bunch of students. It was a really great time to connect with our representatives on these issues that we care about so much. 
And uh, that this is all about action here, and that's the kind of action people uh, have to take if they want to get some results. I don't think most people know about Environmental Lobby Day, but it's something that happens every year, and uh, tell us what happened with you. Can you repeat the question? Yeah, what happened with the Environmental Lo Lobby Day? How did you, how did, what happened, what did you do? Well, a bunch of organizations from across the state of Illinois uh, all traveled to Springfield sometime last year. They do it every couple, um, every legislative cycle to advocate for clean energy bills, uh, job training, and environmental protection and biodiversity as well. So I don't know what in the what I was doing in high school, but I can tell you what I was not doing. I was not activating and organizing a social movement. Both of you and all of the youth doing these efforts are so inspiring. It's humbling, um, but incredibly inspiring. And I feel like as you've grown up over the last 15 to 18 years, so has the awareness of climate change. And I wonder, in terms of what you're doing now, has it sort of been like this slow burn, pun intended, of, of awareness and understanding that led to action? Or was there a particular moment or experience where you suddenly felt like, bam, yes, I have got to get involved and this is why? I kind of want to hear your, your personal story about it. Well, for me, it started, um, I became interested in just kind of minimalizing the things that I had just to be more productive. But eventually, as I got more involved with different like YouTube videos and TED Talks and podcasts, I eventually found a value between minimalism and environmentalism. And that kind of connection goes hand in hand. And for me, it started with an, an, in, an interest in continuing um minimizing the things in my daily life and also I wanted to spread that interest with others and that's how I became involved with a lot of organizations around the city. And in um, my experience, I started with environmental action. I just joined the Chicago Youth Alliance for Climate Action my freshman year because my friend told me to. I wasn't particularly interested in environmental issues, but then I went to this meeting and we had a really vigorous discussion about how climate change affects every single person on this planet and it affects every single social issue that I care about so deeply. Poverty, racism, food inequality, like water access and migration issues, they are all related to climate change. And the only way that we're going to be able to take action against climate change is by shaping it from a justice perspective. And here the marchers come in right now. <laughs> That's Ali Cavallo. She's a student at Whitney Young with uh, Alondra Lozano, another student at Whitney Young. And sneaking up behind us is the force that is the march. And we're, we're kind of ducking and covering uh, so that we get out of the way because they're going to pour into right where we are. Um, and they're, they're chanting. There's some cheering. They're happy to be here. It was a long walk. It's a little sunny and a little sweaty. Uh, yeah, lots of people. Lots more than expected, I think. <laughs> and I would just like to point out uh, how far we've come in the past couple years in terms of inspiring discourse about climate change. You mentioned that you're in a coalition of news organizations spreading the word. Similar things have been happening across the country and the world. And the youth climate strike, last year uh, there were about 20 students from our school who came to the march. This year there were over 100. So we can just see from the way that the word is spreading, people care about this issue because it affects every single person on this planet. Do, do you have a vision of the kind of world you want to see? Do you you have a, uh, you've got your whole life in front of you. I imagine uh, as 30 years from now, you have an idea of, of what you would like. I mean, and this is a part of it. The future is most definitely intersectional. Um, we have aspects and issues that affect so many different people from a variety of different backgrounds. And I think that's the most important part of climate change and kind of 
intersects, intersecting that to environmental justice, it's important that we all come together to make all of these changes because in the end, it's going to affect every single person regardless of race, gender, or background, and it's the most important part of making the action in the future. We're at the global climate strike. People are flowing in. There are, there's planet over profit signs, dibs on keeping Chicago's winters cold. I'm reading some of the signs here. Uh, let's see, there's one that says there is no planet B. That one's popular. Um, Abigail, do you have a question? Yeah, I do. I mean, so as a scientist with young kids, a big element of our life is connecting them to nature. You know, you never know what the uptake of that's going to be. Sometimes they're like, yeah, 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 mom, another butterfly, cool, cool, cool. But we hope that there is this curiosity there and that they want to understand and connect to the natural world. You've mentioned intersectionality several times. The natural world and the health and resilience of that is one of the most intersectional elements of our planet. And I wonder, what is it for you, personal, that you have in a connection with nature? Is that something that is front of mind? Um, is it something that, that you have ties to at all? I would love to hear the nature connection for you. Well, when we're talking about issues of climate justice, the first thing I think of is Chicago. Our city is one of the most innovative and great cities, but it's also one of the most segregated cities in the country. So uh, you can see the difference, not only in like investment and racial divides in our city, but also in differences between levels of uh, how many trees there are. And you would be surprised how much of a difference that makes. In areas with less uh, green space and public parks areas, the, the heat, urban heat desert, or urban heat, heat urban island, island, yes. island is more intense. And um, so I think a connection with nature is important whenever I'm stressed, I like to walk outside. And I think we should all be able to. So I think it's the most important thing to do that we approach climate action from a perspective of social justice. Um, yeah, I, I want to be you when I grow up. That's excellent. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about action and outcomes of this, because clearly there is a thirst for this. I mean, we're being enveloped in people uh, that want action on climate. Um, what kind of outcomes do you want to see uh, here? Are there, there are things, achievements you think we can springboard to with this kind of movement? 100% we want to see a Green New Deal and along with that in Illinois we want to see the Clean Environmental Jobs Act become in place. Um, this, these are definitely plans that can help change our future in a variety of different ways and at the same time we want to make sure that no one gets left behind. When we are transitioning from from fossil fuel energy to clean jobs. We want to make sure that those in the coal mines and the fossil fuel industry are not left behind because they have to change their change because they have to switch their jobs, so we want support in all aspects. And yeah, so she mentioned CEGA, C-E-G-A, the Clean Energy Jobs Act. That's really important to us at the state level. Also, at, at, a, at the in Chicago, we want to. We already passed the one, Ready for 100 resolution in April in 2019, which commits Chicago to transition to 100% clean energy by 2035. So now we need to have a plan in place that uh, by the end of December 2020, we need to pass city ordinances um, in the in the city council to have a specific plan uh, to transition Chicago to clean energy. That needs to be equitable in terms of a racial perspective, in terms of economic perspective, and we need to make sure that community voices are included. So that's when we're talking about specific action. We want involvement and education, and we want to see these uh, legislative actions taken so that we can build a coalition 
between businesses and governmental leaders and normal citizens. Uh, you've got a great rap. When you come at uh, some of these uh, legislators and stuff, uh, do you think they have a clue? Do you think they're like locked in on, on your interests? I do think so, because, I mean, Chicago uh, unanimously passed the Ready for 100 resolution. And we passed the Future Energy Jobs Act in Springfield a couple years ago, which enabled um, a lot of other things, like including lower, uh, uh, making solar energy cheaper in Illinois and uh, more awareness about these issues. So politically, uh, I think in Illinois and Chicago, they are listening to us. And at the federal level, there's some uh, national political forces that are preventing action. Trump administration took us out of the Paris Climate Accord. Also, Congress has failed to make any decisions, uh, any concrete decisions on climate action in a long time. So we would like to see some change at the federal level, but we, I mean, people are pretty receptive to what we're wanting, we're trying to say. Uh, what do you think about, I mean, the Green New Deal has gone from some kind of fringy idea to something that a lot of, it seems like a litmus test for politicians and political support now. Um, what, what, how do you explain what you want to see the Green New Deal do? I mean, it wants to. Uh, you want to see it. You want to see it do the changes that you're talking about on a federal level. Well, I think that the most important. Um, Thing to include in any political action at a local or a federal level is community dialogue and uh, like representation of the voices. That's easier at a local level, I understand. Um, now, when we're talking about a Green New Deal, uh, this has to go towards transitioning us to a clean energy economy. Right now, China is, in, China is investing in clean energy production, and they are investing in making their cities cleaner. Chicago, um, no, America is not, and uh, countries around the world are seeing that we need to change how we supply our energy, and they are transitioning to a green economy. We need to participate in that, take the lead. I am in favor of like a green industrial revolution. That would be pretty awesome. <laughs> so it is clearly a passion for both of you. I mean, I'm standing next to you and I have goosebumps watching the kind of dedication that you have even in your posture as you talk about this issue. Has this influenced any way that you think about your own careers or the impact or footprint that you want to make in your lives? For me, it's definitely taught me a lot about organizing in general and the skills that I've learned to bring people together to make different events happen in my school and outside of my school as well. And I think I definitely will use those skills in the future. And I've been 100% influenced by the amazing people that I've surrounded myself with. But for me, I, I do have different career goals, um, but I know that I value um, environmental justice and these topics in general, so after, after high school, my passion is not going to end. <laughs> and um, I have known for the past couple of years, well, I've known my whole life that I need to go into a career that serves the public good in some way. My issue originally was choosing an issue. Do I want to advocate for like education, uh, po political engagement, or uh, poverty and economic development? Well, I found an issue that encompasses every single thing that I care about and every single kind of good that I want to bring to society. So I know I have to work towards climate action and climate justice and resiliency in my career. And whether that be as an economist or an analyst, maybe a physicist or an engineer, we'll see. Uh, depends on where I get into college, but <laughs> I will be advocating for climate justice for the rest of my life. She's advocating even while we talk to her because you, you have not put your sign down the entire time. <laughs> and you've got a people, uh, 
people going to rise like water and a very nice uh, wave painting. And on the other side, you're encouraging people to join the movement. At, at what uh, website is that? That's the website for the Chicago Youth Alliance for Climate Action. I'd encourage all high school students and everyone listening to go to www.cyaca.org and click the giant Join Us button. If you put your email in, you'll get out on our email list. We'll tell you about all the events and education meetings that we have planned. <laughs> now, uh, while we've been talking, this plaza has filled to the brim. And there are a lot more people pouring down Dearborn Street. I, I would imagine Dearborn is closed right now because uh, I, I can't imagine there being a car there. Uh, there, are, there are people still really streaming in here. And if you're in the Loop area, uh, Federal Plaza is, um, is full of people. I wouldn't drive close to it if you want to walk over and see a bunch of people uh, doing climate stuff. Uh, come here. <laughs> um, Let's see, we're, um, coming up after the break, we're going to be chatting with Emily Grassley. She's the Chief Curiosity Correspondent for the Field Museum, and she is going to be the keynote speaker here as, as things get rolling with the speeches. Um, that's a terrific thing. Do you guys know anything more about the speakers who are coming up today? I do not know, but from the past few marches that I've attended, they are always amazing and always bringing something new to the table. Actually, one of the speakers is a young man named Luis Cabreras. He was actually one of our Urban Ecology Field Lab students. He is incredible. He is inspiring. He is passionate. I'm super excited to see Luis talk today as well. All right. Um, we've got uh, people unfolding a giant... Um, kind of parachute thing and it's got a globe in the middle of it and they're throwing a globe ball up and uh, that's great. There's a young man behind me and uh, how old are you young man? I'm eight. That's I'm nine. Sorry, nine. Nine. Way to go. You had a birthday. That's good. And you made a nice sign. Um, what's your sign? It says climate change is bad. Save the earth by riding your bike turning the lights off and more. That's terrific. Thank you very much for coming down here and, and talking to me. Uh, you were you were on the radio. You were on WBEZ Radio. Um, and thank you uh, very much for joining us. Alondro Lozano from Whitney Young and Ali Cavallo, also from Whitney Young. And uh, keep up the great work, you two. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thanks, Abigail Derby-Lewis from the Field Museum. And uh, let's keep rocking on here. Thanks Thank you. I got to go find my family. Uh, we'll be back with more at the climate strike after the break. I'm Jerome McDonald, and you're listening to Worldview on WBEZ. This is Worldview on WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. This week we're participating in Covering Climate Now, a global collaboration of over 250 news outlets that are strengthening coverage of the climate crisis. And we're running a week of climate coverage this week before the UN Climate Action Summit begins in New York on Monday. And today we're covering the global climate strike from the global climate strike. And um, it's a fantastic event. Uh, Greta Thunberg says that there are 5,225 events taking place in 156 countries. 
and we are the Chicago event, and I'm here with the keynote speaker for the event. It's Emily Grassley, Chief Curiosity Correspondent at the Field Museum. You know her as the curator of the Brain Scoop YouTube channel. She has an upcoming uh, PBS documentary on prehistoric road trip back to her home in South Dakota. Great to see you, Emily. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, the organizers came to you and asked you to do this. What, did, what kind of things did they want you to talk about? Well, the organizers asked for two things specifically. Um, number one, how do we know that climate change is real? And number two, how do we know that humans are causing it today? Well, so it's a little bit of a follow the science uh, deal you're going to give today. Absolutely. You know, and, and my really, one of my messages today is we would all benefit from thinking more like geologists. You know, if we can accept, uh, adopt more deep time perspective thinking and think about ourselves in the context of Earth's history, um, I really think it can help lead to some solutions. I was at a concert the other night by someone we've been talking about on the show every once in a while. Uh, he's an indigenous artist from Canada, and he's been making music with uh, his ancestors' wax cylinders. And he said the other night at the concert, I think we should make every decision with keeping in mind seven generations from now. And we need some long-term planning and some long-term thinking, geologist style or indigenous style. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. And that really coincides with sort of the mission of the Field Museum as well. I mean, we're a research organization, been doing scientific work in Chicago for the last 125 years. And we care for our collections with the idea that they have got to last for the next 200 to 400 years and beyond. I mean, we are recording a changing planet and it's rapidly changing, not every year by year, but honestly, month by month. Um, and so the, the work that we do is really looking um, to the future as well. And I think a lot of people are struck by one of the studies that is out today about the number of birds in North America declining by almost 3 billion since 1970, according to a Cornell University study. Um, this is a big number, and, and I think it's getting a lot of headlines, but this is something that's been ongoing since the end of World War II, bird numbers plummeting, all, insect numbers plummeting. It, it's all, that's happening. Yeah, it is, and it, but it's a domino effect. I mean, the authors of that research couldn't necessarily pinpoint this decline specifically to the impacts of climate change, but it is related to insect declines, it's related to habitat loss, and it's related to the increased use of pesticides, all of which are exacerbated, and the it, impacts of them exacerbated by a changing climate. And so this is how everything is sort of culminating into one big environmental disaster. Yeah, and I say this knowing that you have 23 videos on insects up on your YouTube channel, <laughs> but it, it's the uh, the insects are connected to the birds. Uh, the, bird, the birds feed their babies insects. This is how you reproduce it. All these sequences are connected in uh, miraculous ways that I don't think people appreciate. And this is part of the appreciation. Absolutely. I mean, we are we have access to so many amazing educational documentary resources. I think we're really at a time where the love for nature has never been better, and that sinks in part to connecting communities over shared interests on social media and the Internet. I mean, hashtag bird Twitter is legitimate. You know, there's so many entomologists getting together, nerding out, <laughs> providing insect identifications for people all around the world. I mean, I pass those things on from, from people who share their photos with me. So I really think the love of the natural world has never been stronger. And unfortunately, it's never been more dire. I think people should do all they can to start helping with community science projects and butterfly counts and bird counts and 
uh, all the things that are going to teach us and let us know exactly what's going on in our own community. You know, I had Doug Tarrant on, uh, who's been counting the butterflies here for many years, and uh, you know, butterfly populations across the board going down a third is bad. That's uh, not good. No, we need pollinators. We need those butterflies. And you know, it's not even if you don't personally align yourself with, you know, entomology, insects, or birds. It's really important to think about what core values you are concerned are going to be threatened. And we talk a lot about the burden of climate change. Trauma is going to be carried by people in marginalized communities. And so it's really about, you know, do we want to help those most disadvantaged peoples in our societies? Do we want to align ourselves with scientists and, and conservation efforts? Do we want to create and engineer um, more sustainable energy practices. There's so many ways that anybody and everybody could and should get involved in this. I'm talking with Emily Grassley. She's chief curiosity correspondent at the Field Museum, curator of the Brain Scoop channel on YouTube. And she's also making a PBS documentary on prehistoric road trip where she's going to go back to South Dakota where she's from and look at some of the dinosaur, cool dinosaur fossils that all come from South Dakota, it seems. And one of the other things that comes from South Dakota is um, oil lately, and it's uh, been the source of a lot of protests. And, you know, I was just noting the, the other day that um, there was a court decision and they were making a ruling in favor of protesters. There's been some anti-protesting law in South Dakota. Um, what, how do you explain what's going on in South Dakota? I mean, how do you understand it as a South Dakotan originally? Well, I can't say that I'm following South Dakota environmental policy as closely as I am following that here for global events as well as specifically in Chicago and Illinois. Um, I can say personally, I'm the daughter of a cattle rancher and a farmer. You know, I see how impending climate change is going to severely impact the agricultural community of the state as well as in places like Illinois. It is concerning, um, but I think we can all agree that without collective action, without seriously considering what science tells us about the coming years, which are going to lead to increased droughts and increased flooding in some places, we need to be able to find solutions to adapt to that across industries and across the economic drivers. I mean, South Dakota and North Dakota with this um, oil patch, the econ it's an economic driver in these communities now. It's, it is um, also something that can't continue to happen uh, uh, infinitely. Uh, it's, it poses a direct challenge to everybody's economic status in South Dakota. That is, that is an accurate statement. <laughs> you know, and again, like, I, I don't know that I have a solution for those states in particular. Um, I do see and feel for people in Standing Rock who, who feel the impacts of that. These, again, these marginalized communities that are fighting for clean air, clean water. Um, that's where this climate, these climate change discussions really come to be about a humanitarian crisis rather than aligned with any particular political agenda. I think it was striking that the Red Cross came out with a report here uh, just today, and it says that two million people uh, are in trouble right now. It's called the cost of doing nothing, and they, you know, the Red Cross is not a organization that um, is uh, coming out there with some wacky partisan stuff. They're, they they say if two million people are in trouble uh, all the time now from climate directly. That's a that's this is a now thing. 
Yeah, I mean, we have climate refugees today. Ask anybody who has been watching anything happening in the Bahamas. I mean, people are struggling. We are feeling these impacts across the board. Um, again, I don't know how else to put it other than this is a humanitarian crisis that's going to continue impacting everybody on the planet. Whether or not you like it, whether or not you believe the scientists, um, it's happening. Uh, I've been struck by what Greta said when she came here, that like believing the scientists is uh, is a thing in this country. I don't know why, how we get uh, get over that conversation, but I think, you know, we should just, I don't know, start doing it. People, people here just want to start action. Well, and I think this global climate strike is really demonstrating that maybe the dissenters are just speaking more loudly than the people who actually align with the scientists. I mean, the Field Museum has been committing to going out and uh, joining environmental activism for the last two years and our audience supports us in doing so because we're standing behind the science that we publish every day. I mean just look at the crowd here. I, I got up early this morning and I'm looking at crowds of hundreds of thousands of people around the world. This is the largest demand for environmental activism in the history of humanity. How could you look at that and feel alone in this fight? I mean, I think this is really the encouragement that we need to continue advocating for scientific-based policy. Emily Grassley is Chief Curiosity Correspondent at the Field Museum. She is the creator of the Brain Scoop channel on YouTube, which features more than 23 videos about insects. <laughs> And she's also going to be doing a, a show about a prehistoric road trip back to looking at dinosaurs in South Dakota in her hometown. And she is the keynote speaker here today at the Global Climate Strike. Thanks very much for joining us today. Keep up the great work. Thanks. I appreciate it. Coming up after the break, we'll have more from the Global Climate Strike. I'm Jerome McDonald, and you're listening to Worldview on WBEZ. We should be terrified. We should be angry that we have to skip school to fight for our lives. We should be angry that people have to take off work to demand to have a life that their kids can live in. This is absurd that we have to be here. I should be at school taking a math quiz. I should be at school learning about history. I shouldn't have to demand to, for there to be a history left for us. I don't know how to change the world, but I know if we, the youth, keep talking about how dirty it is out here, somebody is gonna come clean it up. Welcome to Worldview from WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. We're uh, participating in Covering Climate Now, a global collaboration of over 250 news outlets strengthening coverage of the climate crisis. And um, today we're covering the climate strike from the global climate strike in, <clears throat> in Federal Plaza. And it's really packed. There's lots of people here. There's helicopters over our heads. Um, it's been a pretty amazing event to walk over here with all the people. And we're going to talk about some policy proposals and things that are going on out there now. With me is Kyra Woods. She is clean energy organizer for the Sierra Club and Ready for 100 campaign. It's great to see you, Kyra. Thank you. And I was, re I was reading Midwest Energy News, and I saw that you were one of the 30 under 30 to watch for in the Midwest. And so you're a, now a mover and a shaker. <laughs> Thank you very much. Very honored to be on the list. Um, tell, tell people more about... Uh, ready for 100 and the things that the Sierra Club's doing because 
Um, uh, we mentioned it a couple times earlier in the program, but I'm not sure people really uh, get what you're driving at here. Absolutely. So we recognize that climate action comes in many different forms, but with the Ready for 100 campaign, we are trying to catalyze municipal action to transition our energy economy. So we envision a 100% clean, renewable energy economy in cities, and we are asking municipalities, large and small, to get behind that effort. So just this year, we actually passed a resolution, so Chicago is on its way. Now, I talked to the people from Evanston, and they were the first ones, right? They, they were number one on the, the 100% renewable, if I'm not mistaken. Here in our state, yes. yes. And so it's Evanston, Chicago, and... To be determined. To be determined. They are the <laughs> only ones so far. Here, um, yeah. I, I felt like when in talking to the Evanston folks the other day, that they were so far ahead of like other um, suburban city entities in really thinking through and saying, yeah, I, we want 100% renewable and we've, we've got ways to get there. Can, uh, what do you, when you're talking to people, uh, what do they say? Yeah, I mean, it's a, when you talk about our energy economy, there are a lot of things involved, both your electricity, your heating and cooling, your transportation, all of those are concerns um, as it relates to shifting our energy use. And so in Evanston, they were able to um, make this commitment as part of their climate action and resilience plan, which is really a holistic um, piece, and I guess a step in the right direction. I don't think anybody up there thinks it's the end-all, be-all. I think if you are alive right now, you understand that this is going to take effort, but we need bold action, and the resolution here in Chicago is just a start, and we need to actually now come up with the framework to meet our goals for 2035, for all buildings to be powered by 100% clean energy, and by 2040, and actually even earlier, Mayor Lightfoot in her campaign said that we could have an earlier date for electric buses, so we want to hold that administration to those things. Also with us is uh, Kyla Johnson. She's with the People's Lobby. Great to meet you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here. Um, tell us, uh, what are the goals you want to see happen? What are things that you think we can that are achievable and doable? We're all about action. This is an action summit. Uh, what, what's going on? Yeah, a lot. So, I mean, one of the things that I love about working with the People's Lobby is that we're attacking things like the climate crisis from a lot of different um, a lot of different angles, but always trying to get to the root cause. So sort of getting at like capitalism and corporate greed and these fossil fuel industries that are the people in power. So we're thinking about how can we get our own people in power, you know, both like training our own organizers, going into communities, bringing people together, training folks to get out in the streets, be it actions like today's, training people to run for office and run campaigns and be staff on campaigns. Um, as well as, you know, being at the table at, you know, different policy fights like the Clean Energy Jobs Act down in Springfield, figuring out, you know, what do we need to make sure is in and what cannot be in the Green New Deal on a national level, um, and just working with as many different groups, as many different communities as possible, making sure we're also keeping environmental justice at the center. Yeah, it is interesting how many uh, impressive people are out there who could possibly get involved. I think I would have voted for one of the students from Whitney Young for pretty much anything, any office in the land, uh, uh, yeah, and it would be a great improvement. Definitely. I mean, I'm here today because of a student from Whitney Young, actually, that was like, hey, what are you doing? How can we get your group involved? And I was like, 100%, let's make it happen. Uh, what was your experience in the march over here? Because I, I was really impressed um, with all the different groups coming in, uh, I, I bumped into 
uh, and started praying with the Catholics at the Climate Strike prayer service. And, and I was like, what's going on here? Oh, it's a prayer service. I'll stop by. And, yeah. you know, they're up there with Laudato Si and uh, the whole bit. It was it was really awesome. I've, I've had a great time just walking around. I mean, this is this is an issue that is not a partisan issue. It There are no, everybody needs to be involved. Um, and so I think we're really witnessing that here in Chicago. Federal Plaza is packed out here. I think as we were gathering in Grant Park, the group just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then to have their streets actually shut down, you know, meant a lot. Uh, I think some, some motorists were a little upset, but a lot of people were waving to us from the buildings and from their cars, giving us thumbs up because we need action and we don't need piecemeal action because as we see with the current federal administration, like they're willing to roll back a lot of the progress that's been made. So whether it's somebody from Whitney Young or my alma mater, Walter Payton, uh, <laughs> I would I would love to see some of these youth voices uh, in, in, in decision-making positions and spaces. Yeah, I mean, it was so cool. Just, you know, we were trying to gather our little group before we walked over to the main march. So we got the chance to see all of these floods of mostly really, really young folks walking by us. And, you know, there were little girls that were only, you know, up to my knees carrying megaphones, just like shouting at the top of their lungs what we need. And it's just really, really cool to see that at all different levels, you know, see church groups, see unions see generations marching together all different colors all over the city like that's what we need yeah you know it's amazing when you hear uh you know from greta on down the young people talk with a moral authority they uh they bring a piece about the future that is undeniable you cannot uh look and say well uh, the future for our children is i want to leave what to my children um, can you say something about the, uh, the kind of new moral vision that's out there right now? This is about people. This is about our planet. And this is, I think, an opportunity for so many generations to recognize how long we've prioritized profit um, over the well-being of our communities. And whether we talk about systemic racism or other injustices, we know that inequities have looked, at least in this city, some of the inequities have looked the same for decades. And so as we really want to move the needle, this takes a a joint conversation between labor partners, environmental advocates, um, other community uh, awareness groups that are really saying this is about our future and our stability moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. And I, you know, I think especially just when we look at the current political climate, there's so many ways that especially people in power are trying to divide us you know whether whatever side you're on they're trying to divide us and i think this sort of climate action now this whole movement is something we all can unite around and you know of course like you know folks from poorer communities black and brown communities they're going to be hit first and worst but we are all going to be affected by this and it is all of our responsibility to be stepping up right now uh, but it, it's um, so energizing to hear some of the ideas and proposals that are out there earlier in the week uh, we talked with some of the about some of the training programs that Illinois is already doing and could be doing more if the Clean Energy Jobs Act comes online. Uh, that kind of um, change of the dynamic, I think, is something the environmental movement really needed. Uh, it's about well, how do you guys feel about the, the direction things are headed there? Thumbs up from both of us. I think. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry, can you repeat? Um, how do you feel about? you know, the direction things are headed when it comes to climate justice issues. I mean, people didn't even have an idea about climate justice uh, 
five years ago. Definitely. And I think that's one of the really exciting things about the Clean Energy Jobs Act, too, is within this piece of legislation, they're building in ways to make sure that the jobs are going to the right places, that the training is going to the right communities, that the people that like need these jobs the most, the people who have been hurt already by these environmental injustices will be the first to get the energy, will be the first to get the jobs and the training so we can just carry this on for the future. Yeah. And, and climate justice, you know, I think while many people may just be waking up to it, there have been people and generations who have talked about this within their communities for far longer than it's been a part of the mainstream conversation. So I'm really hopeful and have a lot of faith and you know, just like want to see as we move forward in policy that we truly do prioritize folks who have been talking about this. We've got some living legends here in Chicago that have been asking for people to pay attention in this way and I'm hoping that people are waking up and really defer to that leadership from those communities. <laughs> I've seen a lot of signs about planet over profits and uh, it's something you, I mean, and any issue you pay, take, something as simple as recycling, um, we don't seem to recycle because it's not profitable, but it would it would be profitable to the planet if we recycled. I would be willing to pay a little more to recycle. I think people would be willing to pay a little more to uh, effectively use our resources. Um, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I always think of like return on investment on our future, you know, not just the immediate paycheck. But also, like, I, I grew up in a community where our recycling was public. And it didn't, like it costed more to throw away trash than it did to recycle. And the whole community, pretty conservative community, but everyone got behind it. And so like there are ways that if, you know, it doesn't have to be on the individual, but it has to be on, you know, our government, our elected officials, the people in power to make it easier for the individual so we can make these changes possible at every single level. And not put the pressure, to, to your point, right. don't put that pressure on individuals yeah. and like where corporate folks and where there's corporate power, right, and wiggle room within their budgets and their bottom lines, like that could be a wonderful place to start too that doesn't actually have to fall on single, yeah. you know, households. Yeah. So. Um, there were we did get a couple of questions from people who are who are writing in, um, and I thought I'd ask you guys them. Um, we know that the greatest shift in enforceable climate policy in the U.S. should come from the federal level, because we're working to fight climate change during an administration that's favoring heavy polluters and not regulating them. It's up to the states and municipalities to regulate. What is one issue that you would want to see Illinois and Chicago address through enforceable legislation today? That's a hard question. It's a good question. Yeah. See, Jen? <laughs> um, so, so I definitely don't think that this is a... It's like hard to pick one singular track, and so I won't. <laughs> so thinking about um, uh, a bill that is in play right now, the Clean Energy Jobs Act, right? Though there is a, a very clear energy focus in the bill, there is also in tandem very clear focus and a single pillar just on economic um, prosperity and stability, I guess, and ensuring that we have a strong conversation around equitable development as we move forward in a clean energy economy. So no matter what it is, I would encourage, whether 
you get geeked about composting or land use, right, and regulatory matters like this, I think it's important that we get clear about the, you know, ensuring that there's an equitable impact, both in benefits and understanding what inequitable burdens have been. So that's not a direct answer, but yeah. Making sure that, that those conversations happen in tandem is important. 100%. Yeah, I think that's the important part is making sure that, you know, the people that have the voice in the table and whatever we're trying to pass are the people that are being affected the most. And, like, that's usually, like, poor black and brown communities. And so, yeah, I mean, I think the most immediate thing, like Kyra mentioned, is, like, the Clean Energy Jobs Act down in Springfield. Um, but I think, you know, we talk about a Green New Deal nationally. Like, I think we should be working towards those same things at a city level. Like, Chicago Chicago has a huge responsibility as like one of the largest cities on the Great Lakes. Like this is a really hot zone and it's going to be really important that we're moving towards the right, you know, clean energy and moving towards it in a just way and also protecting the resources that we have. Here's another question that people sent in. Will J.B. Pritzker meet with students to discuss his support for the Clean Energy Jobs Act? I don't know, but I think it's a wonderful <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> idea. They've got a lot to say, uh, and I think we could uh, we could definitely yeah. I think round up a few right now. <laughs> yeah. We'd love to talk with them. And I think either of our organizations would love to be a part of helping make that happen. Too. Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, I think a student sent that in, so I think they want to meet with JB yeah, Prisker. It. it sounds like <laughs> they're. I think that's called bird dogging, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> um, and uh, it's happening all over. Here's somebody with a sign. It's happening here, it's happening now, and there is an angry climate, climate earth guy there. There's um, a lot of the speakers are taking place now, and I'm kind of on the other side of the area from us. And uh, do you guys want to walk over and kind of check out the scene a little bit? Sure, we'd love to. We're at Federal Plaza, we're at the uh, Global Climate Strike, and it's organized by the youth of this area. And with me is Kyra Woods, a clean energy organizer for the Sierra Club and Ready for 100 campaign that's 100% renewable. And uh, Kyla Johnson is here. She's with the People's Lobby, and they are uh, all for climate justice, too. And uh, we're getting closer to, uh, to the hub of uh, people. There's people taking selfies under the uh, flamingo. The flamingo sculpture is here. Um, there's a few people eating lunch around the side. Uh, there was a large posse of children. There's a whole craft corner over there with some kids. Oh, there's a craft corner. I'm totally into the craft corner. Um, we're sneaking through Federal Plaza here. Getting closer to the nub of the speakers and the people. Um, here they are, families together. Families rising together, protect our futures is their sign. And um, everybody is, uh, Abigail's here. Abigail's brought her kids over here and uh, have them doing their thing. Um, let's run over and talk to this woman over here. Let's see what's going on. Hi, we're with the public radio station. Hi, what are you guys doing here? Um, oh, okay, so, do you want me to sit down? Oh, this is fine. It's so awkward. Okay, so I'm here with the Chicago Child Care Collective. Um, yes. That's and cool. so we're just like providing a space for um, kids. Yeah, so, like kids and parents to come and hang um, while the action is going on. Well, that's very nice of you. Yeah. It, it sounds like you've got inspirational figures uh, that you're drawing or something. Um, yeah, just 
making sure no pictures of the kids though. So okay. We we don't do pictures. Okay. We're the radio. Oh, it's radio. awesome. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm also with people's lobby too. Oh, she's at the yeah. people's lobby too. Yeah. They're so nice. They're taking care of kids here. This is fun. Yeah. So I'm just excited here and like that like it can be intergenerational, I think is really exciting. Me too. Uh, we're at the Federal Plaza at the Global Climate Strike. We're talking to some of the... We're in, we found the youth corner. We found the real youth corner. We found the teeny-weeny people's corner. Um, do you have um, a vision of the future, of what you're, what it'll be like 30 years from now? That um, what, what, kind of, what kind of thing you want to see? What kind of world do you want to be living in? loaded <laughs> question. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is just not being afraid to drink water from my faucet and not being afraid of what I'm going to be breathing in when I step outside my front door. And, you know, I, it's, there's just so many things that I, you know, I grew up in a rural area. I didn't have to worry about these things. I spent most of my childhood outdoors um, and on Lake Michigan, but now living in Chicago, like this side of Lake Michigan looks very different. And I don't trust the water that's coming out of my tap. And I think there's things like that that seem really little, but that's that's our everyday life. That's like the biggest thing. Yeah, I would love to see us have the same quality of resources from one part of the city to the other. Um, and Chicago, that would be really nice, yeah. you know, not to pick the neighborhood that you want to live in or you want to raise your family simply because one part of town has better access to a recycling program or um, has better streets and sands monitoring or something like that, you know, so that would, that type of equity across the board would be great. Kyra Woods is clean energy organizer for the Sierra Club and Ready for 100. Kyla Johnson is with the People's Lobby. We've been at the Global Climate Strike today in Federal Plaza broadcasting with uh, all of the sectors that have come together to support a green energy economy and a green energy future. Thanks for joining us here, and thanks to uh, J. Kyle White Sullivan for standing next to me all the time and holding the microphone for the whole time, and a whole lot of other people helped with the broadcast, and uh, it was great to be able to come out here and really see what was going on with the global climate strike. I'm Jerome McDonald. You've been listening to Worldview on WBEZ.